Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. Today, I have the honor chatting with Alex. Alex is a keynote speaker, podcaster, and author. And as a young girl, she has learned to build her support systems through friends and developed her unique approach of friendships to a business. Hello, Alex. Great you're here today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit more about you? Hi, Ivana. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm very honored to be here. Oh my gosh, about me. Okay. Well, I never meant to be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I am doing the actions in my life, but turning it into a business is not something I ever thought was possible. I I guess I'm on my second life, on my second career of sorts. I was a wedding planner for a very long time. I burnt out on that. I started a food blog and I talked about how to get people together, like how to remove all the barriers to connect with the people you love because friendship and community is really important to me. And what I found is that the more I talked about that, the more people would say, well, it's great that you can tell me how to cook dinner for 10 people, but how do you have 10 friends? Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about. If you go back and look at my first business plan, I wanted to talk about friendship but I didn't see anybody out there who was talking about it. So how did I take this very abstract concept and turn it into a business? I just didn't know at the time. And in 2020, the pandemic hit. And obviously that is not a good time to be talking about how to have 10 people over for dinner. Obviously. So, obviously. So it really forced my hand. People have been telling me to make this pivot for quite some time. And I just thought, okay, well, everybody keeps telling me to do it. This is what people want. So I guess I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I just started talking about it, writing about it, posting about it. Um, I accidentally wrote a book. I knew that I would start a podcast. That happened in 2021. It was just like a really natural progression that I never saw coming but mm -hmm. now I can't imagine doing anything else. So that's what I do. I talk about community and friendship, basically the how of community and friendship in our lives. What small actions are we taking that are building the relationships and the support systems that we need? What does that look like? Why does that matter? Because mm -hmm. I really think that community and friendship actually is like the root the, the core of so many issues all of us are feeling that if we could actually start to invest our energy in this, it would impact a lot of people's lives. And now here I am. 
Yeah, I love that. And I'm I'm grateful you are here. And I would like to dig a little bit deeper into the meaning of friendships to you. Why mm -hmm. are friendships so meaningful to you, Alex? And how have you discovered that? Well, I think in my life, I have always known that they're incredibly meaningful. Mm -hmm. I did not have a great childhood. And great is said very sarcastically. I had a pretty terrible childhood full of a lot of substance abuse and neglect. And basically the best way to summarize it is I had to raise myself and my two much younger siblings. My mom passed away when I was 13. So mm -hmm. I really was on my own from a very young age. And I'd say that in my teens and early 20s, I started to realize that although my family of origin wasn't the support system that like society promised, mm -hmm. that my friends could be, that in small ways I could lean on my friends or my friends' parents, school, sports teams, like really just anyone around me and slowly build myself a support system. And I had no idea what I was doing at all. <laughs> Until probably my late 20s, early 30s, when suddenly society's messages kind of started saying like friendships aren't as important and focus back on family. But like, I don't have that option. Mm -hmm. My friends really are my family. And how do you communicate that to your friends? I had to kind of navigate that. Like, how do I tell them that they are the people I call when everything's falling apart? There's not a second option for me. It really forced me to think about if I want to maintain these relationships for myself, how am I doing that? Mm -hmm. what, am, like, what actions am I doing to continue to invest in these relationships that really are everything to me? I get that. I get that. And I think especially from the perspective of society, mm -hmm. where... There is a common saying that you say family is everything. Oh, right? yeah. And you need to stick to your family and support your family. But I think it comes from a narrative that is very, very idealistic, so to say, mm -hmm. because I am constantly reconnecting with my family because we also have alcohol abuse in our family as well and addiction. Yeah. And it's just not easy to connect with mm -hmm. an addict. It's I would say not even easy, it's impossible because if someone is not ready to connect, you will not find that connection in your family, right? Yeah, and, it's not dependable. Yes, absolutely. And looking at the diversity of you know family situations where people come from, it's not always as ideal. And being understood is also not something you always get from your family because they always will project, I believe, or this is how I have experienced <laughs> it. They will always project their upbringing on you. Yeah. Right. And their and vision to, too. Yeah. And to mingle that a little bit, you need to get out of this nest, in my opinion, to see the world from a different point. And as you say that people told you to go back to your family and you said like, well, I don't have that. How was the reaction? Because I think in that in that moment you confronted people with something they would have not expect. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to slowly start to be honest about that. For mm -hmm. a long time, I just 
you know, like holidays, for example, I would say, what I prefer to spend holidays with friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get honest. It took me a while to start to be more honest with my friends and say, listen, it's not just a preference. It's Mm -hmm. actually like, I really don't have a positive option there and I don't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. I would prefer, I have great people. I want to spend time with you all. Once I got honest with my friends about like the actual situation I was in, they immediately embraced it. Now, I don't think a lot of them understand it because Mm -hmm. they have great family situations. They can't imagine, but I've told them some stories and explained some things and they believe me. They don't have to see it. They just, if I really don't want to go there, say for the holidays, like they, they trust me and they're happy to be that option. Mm-hmm. The general public saying this is often met with pushback. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite examples of this is if I'm talking about, like, for example, I, my mom passed away. I already mentioned that, but currently at the moment, this is not necessarily forever. Currently I'm not speaking to my father. And you get a lot of pushback from people saying, well, but he's your dad. Oh, yeah. But, he, but he's your dad. But he's your dad. And my response is always like, okay, well, one, I'm the child. I was the one who was ignored and had to deal with all these problems. And nobody says to him, but she's your daughter. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should stop doing all these things that are incredibly hurtful because she's your daughter. Nobody says that to him. Mm-hmm. So I just have to stand firm in what I know is true and what I know is like healthiest for me. I'm so grateful for my friends that when I started to open up, they didn't question it. And honestly, they have championed it. Like I have friends now who will maybe hear somebody else say that they have a strained relationship and stand up for them to other people or say, well, like, you know, it takes a lot to stop speaking to somebody in your family. So maybe we shouldn't pressure them to do that. I am so honored and humbled by how they've like embraced this, even though they don't get it. And then the general public, they can think what they want, but I have found that the more I'm just like really honest about my story, the more it's actually making people think about this expectation, like you said, that family is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yet you can, thank you for sharing this, Alex, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then also the fact that you can only have real connection by blood connection, meaningful connection with your family only. And friendships are, at least this is what I'm experiencing a little bit lately, being a little bit questioned in terms of mm-hmm. when does a friendship start? How? You know, starting a friendship as an adult is not always easy. You will, I think, confirm that a new friendship is, yeah. connection because am I, you know, when is the right move? It's, it's like a bit dating, right? Shall I now, after the first connection, shall I wait for three days till I send a text? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, am I being too clingy? Am I being too obvious? Or maybe even appear needy of a friendship, right? And then people start holding back. Uh, can I ask that person out for a coffee already? And I was thinking of you, Alex, when I was in Vietnam. 
And we made a connection, my partner and me with another couple. And there was, it was on a trip, which I usually wouldn't take, but it was a little bit of an escape. And it was also a birthday present for me to go on a cruise for a weekend. Oh, and yeah. It was a, there was a young couple as well. And then the, the operator said, yeah, we are all friends here. Uh, brothers and sisters because what he was referring to is that the dining tables mm-hmm. won't be the same as the breakfast tables so it might be and it was a big round tables that you end up sitting with a crowd you don't know right so mm-hmm. he was referring to that that we shouldn't make it a big deal but to just you know we are on that boat we are on the same thing right now just let's enjoy yeah. it together and so we laughed about it and uh with this couple and i said so guys we are friends now <laughs> what shall we do mm-hmm. Like, how do we deal with that? And in the evening, I was like, can we sit next to our friends? Is that okay? And we made it like a little bit of a joke. But deep inside, I think all four of us were feeling awkward up to a certain mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. I mean, so many people will say to me when I talk about friendship, they'll say, this sounds like dating. And I'll say, mm-hmm. it is. All right. Because somehow society's convinced us that this skill set of meeting someone new and connecting with them, we make our friends when we're young. And then we meet a romantic partner and then we're done. We never have to do this uncomfortable thing again, but that's just not the reality. As our lives change, as we move around the world, as we start a new business, as we have big life changes or small life changes, new interests, new passions, new pieces of our lives, we're going to have to meet new people. Like This is a skill set that we need to cultivate. But somehow we've convinced, been convinced that if we can just suffer through it in our teens and 20s, maybe early 30s, maybe you're somebody who isn't married or partnered, but you want to be for till your 40s or 50s, that like you will just suffer through this until you meet those markers and then you're done. And it's just not the case. Like we are always meeting new people. And to your point about sitting with your new friends, on the boat and mm-hmm. feeling awkward about it. You know, there's a something called the liking gap. It's the disparity between if you and I meet and we chat and I feel like this is a great call. And then I get off and I didn't get to give you an exit survey. I didn't get to say, Ivana, please rate our podcast recording on a one through 10 scale mm-hmm. and see that you, let's say, rated it an eight. I don't get to do that. I don't, I don't get to send you a notification on your phone and get a rating. Instead, I walk away and I rate myself. And we all know we're more self-critical of ourselves than we are of anybody else. So let's say I walk away and rate myself a five. And I'm just going on and on and on in my head about how I'm a five. But really, you had a great interaction. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty common that we... We think the interaction was less enjoyable for the other person than it actually was. And it stops us from initiating. Oh, yes. And then you add, mm-hmm. yeah, you add to the fact that it's awkward and it's new. And what are the rules even here? Like there is a set outcome in a romantic relationship, you know, for most people, they know. They want to just casually date or they want to get married. Like there is terms. We don't have that for friendship. There's just a lot of uncertainty here. So you sit at that table and you're like, are we friends now? Yeah. That's a very common feeling for people. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and you are right because I now I can totally relate to my feeling I had in another town. We've been in Thailand and we went to a cooking class. There was a, it was a tiny group and it was a brother and sister and the friend of the the guy. And we had an amazing time. And then they say, guys, we are going to an amazing jazz bar tonight. Would you like to join? And we mm-hmm. were like, oh, wow, we got invited. How great is this? Yeah. I love this. And we haven't been out at that point for two months because uh, we've been just, you know, by ourselves and working a lot and literally like nights out, they're not a thing. And I got so excited. And then we text in the evening and I knew they had evening plans and it's going to be a little bit late, but then they don't respond mm-hmm. for a long time. And you sit at home. And you have that feeling of, oh my God, what have I done wrong? But then your brain doesn't, but they ask you, so they might have been convinced of themselves that they want to take you there, but then you don't get a response. And it goes up and down this conversation where in the end, they just got stuck in there. They've been to a, a show and it took a little bit longer. So, and they've been obviously not on their phone because they paid ticket for a show, right? So, and I think this is quite often what we have if we, as you say, rate ourselves yeah, and not the conversation or the feeling, the emotion, the experience that is left behind, right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I love it's, that. It's um I think quite often our brain is playing tricks on us that are holding us back from connection all the time. I think that is happening. And I could give 10 other examples of that, mm-hmm. but I just think that quite often we just, especially in friendship, because there's not that set end goal of like if if you and I sat down and we decided wanted we wanted to be friends if we were going to date we could say like I want to be serious or I want to be casual or I just want to hang out right and that gives some meaning but friends don't even have this terminology so you sit down and you meet these people it's like okay well are we just business friends are we friends who go out and get drinks? Are we friends who travel together? Do we do all of these things? Are we friend friends? Like we don't have terms. So you just meet up and then you have no idea when you leave if we have the same intentions. Mm -hmm. And that also holds people back. There's a lot of factors here that are at play that we aren't really talking about. So then when we're trying to invest in making new friends or meeting new people, We've never thought about this and they just get in the way and they Mm -hmm. compound and they add up because there's so many of them and it's holding people back from people that might just be lovely people to have in their life. Just because, right? Just because. With no to put a a tag on it, right? I believe this is on one hand, a very strict definition we carry along in our society of friendship because friendship Mm -hmm. needs to be deep, super trustworthy. It's only a friendship if it's like, you know, long-term friendship, then you can call Mm -hmm. it a friendship. And I got once really offended when I called someone a friend in public. And then I received messages on my phone like, you don't even know that person. How can you call it a friend? It's mm. very short now, right? I don't want to take this too long. And I was like, and this made me think the first time, like, when do I call a friend a friend? And Alex, I'm sure you know it because I haven't asked Google. Usually when I look for definitions, I put the word, I type meaning next to it, and then mm-hmm. I have my answer. Uh, I never Googled friendship meaning. Is there such a definition for us to understand better and when does friendship start when we can call it a friendship yeah 
So I have not Googled it either, but now I'm going to do it after this. I maybe have a long time ago, but I don't remember probably because I didn't agree with it. I think that, well, first of all, if I ask most people what makes someone a friend, they can't give me an answer. We don't know. So we're just walking around using this term of what someone is not. They are not my friend. We're so focused on what they aren't. Mm-hmm. that we like we don't even know what makes someone a friend. So we're focused on the distance between meeting them and a friend, but we don't know what that marker is. And we're so focused on like hitting this marker of we are friends that we completely miss out on all the value somebody might bring to our life before they hit this we are friends marker that we can't even, we don't even know what it is. We don't even know what the check boxes are necessarily. Mm-hmm. And because we're so focused on the lack, we're missing the value. So I there are people it. in our lives that are showing up in ways. There might be people who are just our business friends. They're mm-hmm. just our work friends. But if I ask somebody about those people, they'll quite often say to me, well, they're not really my friends. It's like almost a shame, right? Ashamed to to say yeah. that I have a co-working buddy. Yeah. And then I'll they'll they'll sit and they'll be kind of quiet. And then they might say, Well, I mean, they're my work friend, but that's not really a friend, is it? Yes, I get that. And I'll just look at them and say, I don't know, is it a friend? Do they bring something to your life? Mm-hmm. Do they connect with you about something that's important to you? You spend a lot of time at work. Is is that worthwhile to have someone that gets what you do or works at the same company or is going after similar goals or supports you? Like, isn't that valuable? Mm-hmm. But we're so focused on the fact that they're not our friend that we're missing everything they do bring. We're not appreciating that. So I really think that somehow we've created this all or nothing definition of friendship. We don't even really know what the definition is. And because we're so focused on how we haven't reached it, we're missing all the value. Inspiration. We don't even consciously, probably not even consciously appreciate the conversations we had, small, Mm -hmm. big, the sparks, the emotions that are covered sometimes. In just a simple conversation. Yeah, because yeah, you walk away from every interaction thinking about what it's not instead of what it is. And then if we're doing that with five people, 10 people, 20 people, that's a lot of value in our lives that we're not appreciating. So I really think that if you ask me what is a friend, friendship is a spectrum. And I actually have developed a framework that gives more terms to friends. But if we can't see it as the spectrum as like, okay, well, they're not my closest person. They're not the person I would necessarily call in an emergency, but they are the person I might message if I have a work problem, mm-hmm. then we're seeing the value of the people in our lives and we'll show up accordingly. If we miss the value, you won't invest in it. Oh, and yeah. therefore we're not going to continue to make friends make friends i get that this is a definitely an episode that i'm gonna share with my new friends i've met <laughs> a month yeah. ago 
And we met only twice because we had a conversation on that and we were giggling around like, am I ever even allowed to 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 text you at that point, et cetera. But now thinking back, what the value was, what it took is just that we are sharing such a similar life, like two couples yes. from, if we were, like we are from all over the world. None of us is from the same country, nor has the same background, et cetera. But we just shared their lifestyle uh, even our professional journey in terms uh certain, you know, small things in our relationships that are very similar in between the couples, right? And I just soaked it up and we enjoyed drinks and a very, very, very special uh, place. And I think if I haven't have met you, Alex, before, this would have ended up in another, in mm-hmm. a different conversation and maybe not even in that drink. Because I really had to remind myself saying like, no, I can't text them. I can ask them out for a drink. Yeah. They don't have to be this all encompassing friend and your closest, oldest, dearest friends. They're lovely people. I'm sure mine are lovely people, mm-hmm. but especially when we've made choices in our lives that deviate, you know, like you're moving around the world. Some of your closest, oldest friends may not live that life. And although you can tell them about it, you're just not going to connect the same way. So there's value in people who are living a similar life to you, even if they never become your closest, oldest friends, like having other people that you can have these more in-depth conversations that get the nuances of moving around all the time and doing this with a partner and being self-employed, like that's a lot to juggle that you could maybe tell somebody who isn't living that same life. I mean, me, I'm not currently living that life. You could tell me all about that. I'm not going to be able to reciprocate the same way that these new friends you have Mm -hmm. um, are. And it's valuable to have that. Absolutely. Yeah. Is this what you meant when you say, um, I saw this in your bio description, connection is air and Mm -hmm. we are all suffocating. Is this what you mean with that? Yeah. I... The friend gave that to me. Well, they shouldn't give it to me. We were in conversation. She was getting really passionate because I, when I started my business, I know that this is a really intense topic for a lot of people. There's a lot of shame around friendship. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to not come in and make people uncomfortable. So I was really trying to go with this route that wasn't so intense. Mm -hmm. But the further I got down my journey, the more I realized that I truly think that friendship, community, connection, family, I'm not against family. I love people have great families, romantic partnerships, all of it. All of our relationships are truly the foundation we stand on for so many other areas of our life, for our Mm -hmm. financial wellness, our physical wellness, our spiritual wellness, you know, like all of this, the foundation is that we have people that we can turn to, to either amplify us and help us go higher. Or if we've hit some sort of rock bottom, like people are the foundation and we're not talking about that enough. And I think that that's permeating out. Like that is quite often really, really big societal issues. I'm in the U S so Mm-hmm. We got some big societal issues over here, you know, gun violence, sexual assault, mental health, 
homelessness, depression, like I truly think that at the core of that, quite often, one of the problems is that we are so disconnected. Mm -hmm. And if we could figure out how to be connected, how to be in community, that these other bigger problems would shift but also our individual lives would be better. We would feel more stable. We would have, you know, like loneliness is an epidemic in the U.S. One in two people uh, have measurable extended periods of loneliness. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's so many people. So I just think when you look at all of this, connection is air and we're suffocating. And there's not really a lot of tangible examples out there of how we are approaching connection in our everyday life. Like what little actions are you and I taking as individual people to build the connection that we each need? Mm -hmm. Because if more people can do that, that's how we're going to start to shift this problem. It would create belonging, more belonging. Loneliness wouldn't be such a topic anymore. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing this, Alex. I learned a lot. Wow. I need to and adjust that in a moment. Thank you so much. That happens sometimes. Thank you for having me. To get back to the, to, to, or to actually ask you my final and most favorite question is what do people misunderstand the most about you, Alex? I, this question really has thrown me for a loop. I thought actually a decent amount about this question. So I was talking to my sister yesterday and she was telling me that she, she feels she's had some people comment lately that she's kind of stand standoffish and she's not very approachable, right? I'm a woman with a lot of opinions mm-hmm. and I've been told my entire life that I'm intense or a lot or abrasive or direct And my sister was telling me, she goes, you know, I was sitting there thinking about this. And then I realized I'm just like you. And if I think about you, she's like, you are one of the like warmest, most thoughtful, most loyal people I know. Mm -hmm. But part of the reason you can do that, again, this is my sister's words. Part of the reason you can do that is because you don't let all that other stuff get in the way. Like you invest your energy into things that you feel like move the needle and you just let the rest of it go, which makes you look abrasive and direct, but really that's not you at all. And I just sat there thinking, that's probably it. Like that's what is misunderstood about me is I look, I don't know, intense, Mm -hmm. but the intensity is channeled differently than people might assume so i think that's probably the most misunderstood thing about me thank you for sharing this i i i think that uh sisters can bring up a lot in us just as my sister once told me saying that or i thought i'm such an easy person to to deal with right to go about (laughs) and i've been always telling that and my sister once put me down to ground and said like yes ivana you are as long everything is going to your liking I was like, <laughs> so, oh, that's, okay. That's tough. 
And since then, this is not going out of my head. So thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable here with us. I think this is a massive value you gave to all of us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and for creating space for me to share. I love doing this. I'm wishing you a wonderful day and let's stay connected. Yes. Let's be friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll meet up somewhere in the world sometime. Oh, we will. We will. I like that.